Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. We're so excited to jump into today's episode, but before we do, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of 4040 Shorts from the 4040 Vision podcast. This episode is a clip from episode one of the full version of this podcast, the top five what-if moments in Golden State Warriors history. This particular what-if is related to Gilbert Arenas, and what if he was able to stay on the Warriors for an extended period of time. The Warriors drafted Arenas in the second round of the 2001 NBA draft, and he spent only two years in the Bay Area before signing a big money deal with the Washington Wizards. The Warriors were over the cap at the time and were unable to match the contract, and as a result, the NBA introduced what is called the Gilbert Arenas provision in the 2005 CBA as a way to help teams retain their restricted free agents who aren't coming off standard rookie scale contracts, which basically means guys that are undrafted or drafted in the second round. While Arenas isn't specifically named in the CBA, the rule kind of became colloquially known uh, in the CBA as the Gilbert Arenas rule, and you'll hear NBA fans and NBA experts talk about that and refer to it again as the Gilbert Arenas rule. So, Unfortunately, the Warriors were unable to keep what became one of the best scoring point guards in the NBA and a guy that they took a gamble on in the second round. And you'll hear in this podcast or this clip from the podcast a little bit of what we think would have happened with the Warriors had they been able to keep him around for the long term and if he would have been a big part of the famous We Believe teams in the early 2000s. We hope you guys enjoy. So I have something that does relate to other bad decisions and, and what ifs. Um, I, I went through uh, several bad contracts. I was just looking at some of these Warriors players from the early 2000s, kind of post Chris Webber through the we, we Believe years. And one player that seems to intertwine with a number of bad signings and salary cap restrictions was Gilbert Arenas. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Gilbert Arenas before Steph Curry was one of those NBA players taking shots a few feet behind the three-point line. He, he was one of those early unconscious shooters um, in the league. So the Warriors drafted him in the second round in 2001. Uh, after his rookie deal expired, everyone wanted him, the Lakers, et cetera. So the Wizards get him on a six-year, $60 million contract. And the only reason why the Warriors couldn't match this offer was – they were over the salary cap. And I'll get into some of those contracts uh, that hindered getting him then and getting him later. Uh, and they couldn't match the offer sheet because being over the salary cap, he was a second round pick. If he was a first round pick, there were exceptions in the cap that would have let them match the offer sheet. So that's where the Gilbert Arenas rule was created that allowed teams to re-sign restricted free agents regardless of what round they were selected in. Um, so that, that that was one I, I didn't know about. But one of the, I think the first bad salary that translates to this is after uh, Chris Mullen is traded to the Indiana Pacers, they picked up Eric Dampier, who's a second round pick, and re-signed him in 1999 for six years, $48 million. This was the bad salary that prevented them from re-signing Gilbert Arenas in 2003. So Gilbert Arenas is gone. They're over the salary cap because Eric frickin' Dampier got $8 million a year, which was enough to put them over the cap. 
for a few. I mean, bad, bad franchises do bad things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. So here's, here's a couple other ones. A Donald Foyle in 2004, unrestricted free agent, six years, $41 million at 29 years old. He played three seasons before uh, they agreed to a buyout. He's the all-time leader in blocks. I loved him when he played. A lot of teams were looking to get him at the mid-level exception, which was about $3 million, $3 million or less, uh, give or take, per year. They overpaid him as well at 29 years old. Uh, Derek Fisher in 2004, he was 30 years old. He'd already been through several finals runs. He wasn't even – he ended up not even starting. Baron Davis and Speedy Claxton uh, immediately kind of uh, supplanted him. He was traded away after two years and had this funny story with the Utah Jazz where he said, you know, he was I, awful. He was yeah, awful it's awful. He's like, my, I need to take care of my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so they let him go. And then he signed with the Lakers like two weeks later. So I remember that story. It was about his daughter with some, I think she needed eye surgery or something like that. And he opted out or he tried to get out of that contract. Yeah. Not a nice guy, this Derek Fisher fella. <laughs> Derek Fisher, secret NBA asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, another kind of fan favorite, Corey Maggette in 2008. Five years, $50 million. Baron Davis leaves. They couldn't get Gilbert Arenas or Elton Brand, so they picked a different former Clipper <laughs> who only played for the team for two years. He was traded away in 2010. Uh, and then Steven Jackson. Three years, $27 million. This was a max extension. He still had two years left on his contract. The funny nugget about it is he negotiated this extension directly with the team president, who was Robert Orwell at the time. And then he pissed everybody off, and he was traded away a year later with AC Law for Rajah Bell and Vladimir Red Redmanovich. I don't know if you knew that. He'd renegotiated his contract himself. I did, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't do it in like a strip club or something. <laughs> so what I want to explore is, Gilbert Arenas actually not having all of this incompetence and salary management around and actually playing as a warrior in 2003 or 2008. I, I more so examined 2008 because they had actually made the playoffs upsetting the Dallas Mavericks in the first round. Um, they had a, a much better team at the time. Uh, I mean, what, what, what does that sound like to you? What do you think? I, I think it, I don't think it changes the overall you know, uh, impact of that team. I don't think they go much further. Maybe they beat Utah that year, uh, but that was more about size. And, you know, they had – Utah was just a better team. They had Carlos Boozer, who was elite, Mehmet Okur. You know, it was it was just the that win against Dallas was the ceiling. Having anything more than that, you needed to have a more well-rounded team. You know, this the, the pace and space and the – you know, uh, all these shooters kind of being all around the same size was ahead of its time, but it was not going to win you a championship in that that era uh, of the NBA. So I think what's what's more interesting is, you know, what is the impact on the franchise if if Arenas is able to stay? And it's it's just ironic that, you know, a bad team finally kind of catches a break in finding a superstar in the second round and they gamble on this guy, and they lose him basically on a technicality that gets reversed. Um, so and it's and all these other bad contracts that you mentioned, it's 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 not funny to think of the Warriors like this, but it's it's just they're operating in a different space then, right? At the, like now, you think about they're going after veterans, guys are taking discounts to come play for the Warriors. They're they're ring chasing. You know, back then you're overpaying for bad talent. You're basically OKC, 
you're basically Minnesota. Like it's, it's weird to think of a team in the San Francisco Bay area as a small market team, but that is essentially what they were because of their ownership, because of their, you know, lack of success. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting to think about what the overall franchise impact would be if they did have that superstar that they were able to build around, you know, in that early 2000s. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. I think that they they functioned like a small market team. And here, here's what could have happened if they made this work. I agree with you. I think that they probably wouldn't get over the hump after Utah. Um, but here's who was available in the offseason as an unrestricted free agent. There weren't any bigs available as unrestricted free agents. There were a lot of restricted free agents. But Robert Ory, Jose Calderon, Eddie House, uh, Matt Barnes, uh, Monte Ellis, Baron Davis, a lot of guys on the team, James Jones, uh, um, Andres Biedrins, and Michael Petras. So they could have traded a few guys to make space, maybe for Elton Brand too. But the problem was Chris Cohen, who was the owner at the time, was, I mean, he, he just loved Don Nelson from, from the beginning. He continued to stick with Don Nelson. And there's no way he was going to go over the tax because hilariously, he was in court for tax evasion after selling his company, Sonic Communications, for $200 million. Um, so I don't know. The, the incompetence has no limits, no boundaries. It, it even goes to criminal court. <laughs> poor, poor ownership trickles down, man. It's, you, you, can't, you can overcome you know, bad drafting, some bad signings here and there, but you cannot overcome poor ownership you know, for to, for sustained success, at least you can have little blips here and there, but, but you're not doing anything for long. If your ownership is not just bad, but actively holding you back from competing by not going over the tax, by consistently making bad decisions. Um, and that's, that's what the Warriors did for a long time. Yes. Yes. A realistic version of the team could have been Baron Davis, Monte Gilbert, Arenas, uh, Matt Barnes, captain Jack on maybe a more team friendly deal. Uh, some of the other guys in the We Believe team. But the only potential caveat that they might have been able to do is Mike D'Antoni had just gotten fired um, from Phoenix, and he ended up going to the Knicks. They had a shot at him if it, in, in, in a, uh, an alternative universe. And Larry Brown, uh, who ended up going to, I think, Charlotte or something like that. Um, Thank you guys for checking out another edition of the 4040 Shorts from the 4040 Vision podcast. This particular one was a tough one to discuss because, of course, the Warriors, as we talked about in the podcast, were one of the worst franchises in the NBA during the late 90s and early 2000s. And it was such a bummer to lose out on a promising player in arenas, essentially over a technicality, as we discussed in the podcast. Of course, as we said, the NBA has since gone on to make it easier for teams like the Warriors to keep guys like arenas in-house. But it doesn't really help in hindsight because, of course, he didn't spend the majority of his career with the Warriors. Please let us know what you guys think. Make sure to subscribe to the 4040 Vision podcast wherever you're listening. Please leave us a review. And make sure to check us out on all the major social media platforms at 4040 Vision Pod. That's Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Thanks, y'all. Peace out.